Well, good morning, Chapel family. How's everybody doing this morning? Come on, elbow, elbow bump your neighbor and say, roll tide. Come on, say, roll tide. War Eagle, maybe? <laughs> oh, come on. It was a wonderful weekend this weekend, and I don't know about you. How many, how many football fans we have in the house this morning? Come on. It was a great kickoff, uh, great games playing, and uh, it was just a wonderful time just being together with family and uh, just celebrating your team and cheering them on. And, uh, but, hey, I just want to give you a, a report. Pastor Bobby is out with the elders this weekend. They are uh, praying together and seeking the face of God together, and I just want you to know that. Uh, it's wonderful to have leadership that just gets away, sets aside some time to just seek the Lord together and just ask for God's guidance and direction on where we're headed as a church and uh, I want you to continue to pray for Pastor Bobby and Pastor Toya and, and all the elders as, uh, as they just step into this new season, as we all step into this season together and just seek the face of God and uh, just ask for his guidance and where he wants to take us. Amen. Will you grab your Bibles? Will you grab them? Come on. If you got your text, as Pastor Bobby was saying a few weeks ago, we want to be ones who carry the text with us. If you will, just hold it up and say, I am. What his word says I am. I can do what his word says I can do. I can be what his word says I can be. And today, I will hear his word. I will receive his word because I love his word. Amen. Turn with me to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16. While you're turning there. Um, have you ever been a part, have you ever felt like you were in a set-aside season? Anybody just felt like you've been in a, in a set-apart season in your life? You found yourself just uh, feeling like you're isolated and kind of disconnected, if you will, from, from everything and everyone, even, even the Lord and maybe your family. You just feel like, man, I've done everything I can do. I've, I've pressed in. I've, I've actually, as far it's not just spiritually. I'm talking about in, in a more natural way, in a more physical way. Many times we, we go out of the way to to put our resume out there. We maybe put applications in at all these different places before. And when we're just sitting like, man, I, by this time, I've, I've doctored up this resume. I should be working at the White House by now, right? I mean, I've done everything I know to do, but I'm not getting any phone calls. I'm not getting any traction. I'm not getting any, any, any success in doing all these things. I just feel set apart. I feel set aside. Many times I think we walk through seasons like that and and we want to find out, God, what are you trying to say to us in these moments? Because I, I don't, I mean, I've prayed, I've sought the Lord, I've, I've gone to every life group I could possibly go to. I just, I can't seem to get any traction where I'm at. And that's what I call a set-aside season or a set-apart season. This morning I had the, the opportunity just to swing by uh, Pastor Bobby's house. And, and I, I want to show you this picture of what I saw in his garage this morning. If, if you could throw that up. I don't, I don't know about you. Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about right here? I'm just, this is not Pastor Bobby's garage, I promise you. I just found this on the internet, okay? How many can relate to what I'm talking about? In moments like this, I don't know about you. Throw that, throw that image back up there. I, my wife, what she would like to do is just pull a, a, a garbage truck by, up to the garage and say, yeah, let's, let's just dump it all in there. Anybody, one of those people, right? But for me, I've got to go through all this. Like, I've got to, I've got to find out what's valuable in here. 
Because, you know, I may not have had it for, or may have ha- I may have had these things for 15 years. I haven't needed it, but I still need to know if I need it. Like, I, I want to go through these things, and I want to make sure I, I set aside those things that are valuable, right? Set aside the things that are, are set apart from the other things that are, are not valuable. But I, you, in order to go through all this, you have to, you've got to find, okay, that, that bicycle, I don't know if that's really important or valuable because I don't need to exercise, really. Um, that grill is important, right? So I set these things aside because they're valuable. And this is not in my notes this morning, but, you know, I think there's some things that, that all of us need to set aside to find out what's valuable. This is our life. It's full of clutter. It's full of all this stuff. And, and, and we just let it pile up and pile up and pile up. And then we don't know what's valuable and what's not. We just know that it's stuff that we've got to deal with. You know, I'm, I'm here to tell you this morning, there's, there's going to come times in your life where you've got to take those moments and set aside those things that you know really matter. Set aside those things that really are valuable, that are important to you. And get away with, get out of all the stuff that doesn't make any, make any sense or make really make, make anything matter. But we have to go through seasons in our life. We have to set things aside. Set this aside. Make sure that it's valuable. You see, being set apart or being set aside, sometimes I think a lot of us look at those things in our life as when we're, we're in that season, we, we tend to find ourselves in a negative kind of way. It, it, it seems to be negative. Well, I've been set aside. That must not be important or it must not be valuable. No, you see, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, the Lord said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I, I did what? I set you apart. You see, he sets us apart because we are valuable people. I want you to know today you are valuable. God has a plan and a destiny in your life that he wants to fulfill through you. You've got to know that you're a valuable part of the kingdom of God, that you have importance. You have to know this this morning. Maybe you've walked into these doors this morning and you feel like I've, just, I'm, I've been set aside and I, I, don't, I don't know what to do with my life, but I want you to know God sees you as valuable for his kingdom. He sees you as valuable as a son and a daughter of the Most High. In set-aside seasons like this, I, we, we tend to ask a lot of questions, right? We ask all these questions like, God, why? Why does this happen? Why am I in this season of my life where I feel like I'm, I'm pulled away from everyone else? Why am I here? How did I get here? Why am I in this place? But, you know, it's important that we, we ask the right questions. Many times we are not asking the right questions, we're in these seasons and we're, we're, we're asking the wrong things. Like, why am I here? It's not really should be, why are we here? We should be asking the Lord, what do you want to teach me while I'm here? We've got to turn our mindset around and our thought process around. You know, there was a movie. How many remember this movie? It's an older movie. It's called Our Robot. It was Will Smith was in it. I don't know if many of you. Oh, Jason's shaking his head. I don't, mean, I don't know if any of you have seen that movie, but there's a part in this movie where I thought was pretty interesting. And it always, when it pops up, I think about this constantly. But there's, Will Smith was main character in the movie. 
he had a, um, a doctor that he was a friend with, and the doctor had, had died. But the doctor left behind this little uh, hologram that he was trying to show Will Smith how he got where he was at. And so the way, the way Will would do it, he would, he would put this hologram down, and, and, and he would hit it to go, and he, it would come up in front of him, and it was a, a program that he had to ask questions to. But the program said this. It says, my, my answers are limited because I, you have to ask the right questions. I think many times we get in a set-apart season like that or a set-aside season, and, and we're not asking the right questions. We're asking why. Why am I here? Why am I in this position? What did, how did I get here? And God's going, will you just ask what you want, what you need to learn while you're here? I think we are always in these places in our life where we have to ask the right questions. You see, set apart seasons will force us to start seeing things in a more biblical view rather than a more momentary issue. We have to start seeing things in eternity. Being set apart and set aside, we have to change our way of thinking. Amen? It's funny that a lot of times we start asking these questions and it's always centered around I. Why, why is this happening to me? What did I do to get here? And see, we, we tend to want the explanation rather than the revelation. You see, God's trying to show us a revelation of who he is, a revelation of where you're headed, a revelation of what he wants to teach you and what, how he wants to grow you and mature you. But what we tend to want to do is just give me the explanation as to why I'm here. You see, we don't live on explanations. We live on the promises of God. I'm going to say that again. We don't live on the explanation. We live on promises. And those promises are promises that God has given us of who we are. We are the head and not the tail. We are more than conquerors. God, God wants to teach us while we're in those places who he is and what he's trying to show us. He's a very present help in time of need. You know, I love that passage of Scripture because I think many times we look past the fact that he is a very present help. It's not just the help. He is present with us in the times of need. And we need to understand that he is trying to teach us and show us more of who he is. So 1 Samuel chapter 16, I want to take you on this little journey on someone who was set apart. To give you a little context as to how we got here in this passage of Scripture, many of you are very familiar with it, but... Samuel was seeking a king for Israel because the Lord said he had even regretted making Saul king. And so the Lord had found a man after his own heart. And so he sent Samuel to the house of Jesse. He said, I want you to go there and I want you to anoint one of Jesse's sons as king. So in verse 6 it says this. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. I'm going to say that again. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. 
And then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these either. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, well, there, there remains yet the youngest son. Like, it's almost like you had to bring him up, right? There remains this youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. He's, he's out away from everybody. I've kind of just put him out here, set him aside. And Samuel said to Jesse, well, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. And now he was, a ruddy and had, he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that this morning, as we dig into Scripture, as we dig into your Word, I pray, Father, that Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Make the Word come alive to us. Make these words, God, be articulate. May they be able to speak to the source of where we are. I pray, Father, that, uh, that your, your fresh anointing, as we sing about this morning, a fresh anointing, would be in this room today. And I pray, Father, that our hearts are ready to receive what you have as you speak to us. In the precious name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. You know, in the mid 15th century, there was this painting that a lot of us are very familiar with. If you grew up in the church, matter of fact, if you did not grow up in the church, you're very familiar with this painting. It's a painting that was probably one of the most extraordinary oil paintings of all time. It was The Last Supper. How many are familiar with this painting, The Last Supper? You, what happens is it captured the moment where Jesus just made, made it known that someone in this room is about to betray him. And it catches this reaction. To many artists that look at this painting, there's so many details that are there. These details are extraordinary. Took the artist years to paint, a couple of years. The artist that actually did this painting and this amazing work of art was none other than Leonardo da Vinci. And to many, you would believe that the artist that would do such an extraordinary work like this would be someone of significance, someone of importance, right? I mean, you, think, you would think he, he grew up in an artist's home or he grew up in this place where he, he knew all about art and he was able to kind of just step into the shoes of the generations that had gone before him. And, and he just, it just makes sense, right? He had to be someone of significance. But, well, Leonardo was far from that. He actually grew up in a very humble place. He was born an illegitimate child. His father was a Florentine lawyer and a notary, and his mother was just a peasant young girl. They, they had him out of wedlock, and then they both separated and went different directions. And Katerina, his mother, would wed another man. And also, his father would do the same, start new families. Together, 
they gave Leonardo 17 half-brothers and sisters who were not very too fond of their illegitimate half-brother. Indeed, they seemed to have been very embarrassed by him and thought that he was a stain to the family honor, particularly so that the paternal family, the paternal half-siblings of Leonardo would conspire together and try to somehow come up with a way to write him out of any of his father's inheritance and estate. He was unwanted. He was set aside. He was set apart. But this did not keep him from pressing in and becoming one of the greatest artists of all time. You see, many times when we're set aside, we find ourselves just wanting to sit in our muck and our mire, if you will. We don't, we don't want to press past some of the things and, and ask the right questions as to why we're here and what God is trying to teach us while we're here. You know what's interesting about the story of Leonardo is, is very similar to the story of David. You know, David was considered very possibly an illegitimate child as well because to many theologians, it's said that David was illegitimate. His father set him aside into the sheep field because he was embarrassed of him. He set him aside because, you know what, I, I don't want him to be a, a part of this family. I, I'm embarrassed that I even have him as a child because of how he came into the world. And the reason that many theologians feel this way is because in Psalm 51 verse 5, it says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, David said. And in sin did my mother conceive me. That's why they believe that it's very possible he was illegitimate. You see, but even though Jesse had set him aside for those reasons, saying, hey, I, I don't want to see him. I don't want to be a part of this family. I really don't think he's important. I really don't think he's worth anything. I'm just going to set him out there all alone and take care of the sheep and do something that no one else wants, him, wants us to do. But see, God had other plans. Even though Jesse had a plan to set him aside for that reason, God had a plan because I'm going to set him apart for this reason. I have a plan and a destiny that I'm going to fulfill through him. A matter of fact, the Messiah, Jesus, will come through his lineage. Even though you may feel like you've been set apart by someone else, I'm telling you, God has a plan and a destiny for your life. He has a purpose you see, men want what's appealing to men, but God wants what's appealing to him, and he wants your heart. You see, that's the thing that David was doing in this season. I'm going to talk about this. He was finding a way to seek the heart of God. That's why the, the Scripture would say he was a man after his own heart. He didn't take that time of being set aside, even though his father didn't really want him. He didn't take that time to be set aside to just sit and just complain and gripe, why am I out here? He sought the face of God. He sought the heart of God. He took those moments and pursued him with everything he had. Because David was seeking after God, God was seeking after him. You see, the scripture says in John 4 that he seeks worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth, I don't know about you, but I want to be one that God seeks after. How many want to be one that God seeks after? In a set-aside season, even though you may feel the pain and the struggle, I want you to be encouraged today. He's not forgotten you. He's not left you alone. 
And what you're doing right now and where you are, you may feel insignificant. You may feel like your past and the things that you've done in your past disqualifies you to be able to share with other people, to be able to do the things that God's called you to do. You may feel invisible. But as you pursue the heart of God and you're submitted to God's will and his plan, he sees you, church, as significant. He sees you as qualified. He sees you as useful for the kingdom. He sees you as useful with a purpose. God has purpose for you. No matter what season you've walked out, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done in your past, God has a plan and a destiny for your life. Those things don't define you. You let God be the one who defines you. Let God be the one who gives you definition. Your past doesn't disqualify you. As a matter of fact, your past might actually qualify you. How many have testimonies of God's faithfulness in your life this morning? And what he's done, how he's brought you out and set you up. You see, those things in your past that what man would think would disqualify you, God says, no, that one right there, he's qualified. I've got a purpose for him. As a matter of fact, his testimony will change lives of other people. What you do in these set-aside seasons determines your destiny, how you choose to seek the face of God. So I'm going to give you five ways, and actually five different ways that God works on in these set-aside seasons. God works this way. Number one, he works by this. In a set-apart season, God will work on your position. What I mean by position? Well, you know, it's funny, in, in our society today, it's, we, we tend to want to gain position by, by stepping on other people or, or trying to get past. How many understand, like, in, 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 the, in the actual secular world, when you're in a job, you're, it's almost like I've, what's going to really qualify me is, is my position in the eyes of man. If I could just step up the ladder of success, then that will give me qualifications. But see, what David was doing, he wasn't trying to be qualified to be the king of Israel. He wasn't seeking a position to be a king. What he was doing is positioning his heart for a king. And in doing so, God would see him. He would see him in the field and see his heart after him. And he said, now that one right there has positioned himself to make a difference for the, for the people of Israel. He is in a place now where I can use him because he's chosen to position his heart into my heart. David was a man after God's own heart. You know, I love that because he was just a young boy, but God says he's a man. He's a man's man. Look at your neighbor and say, he's a man's man. Because he was seeking the heart of God. David used his pasture time as preparation time. The time that he had in the pasture wasn't a time to just gripe and complain. He used it as a moment to prepare his heart for the king. And God used him. He wasn't looking for position. He was positioning his heart. He would sing and declare the majesty and the, the wonderful God that he would serve. He was aligning his heart with the will of God. David would take this time and position his life and grow in, in his knowledge and understanding of God's plan in his heart. You know, 
when we're seeking the face of God in those set-aside seasons, it's funny, God starts to intimately teach you things that will take you to a new place and a new dimension with him. You know, David would fail many times as a king, but he would always come back to a place of surrender and submission. And the reason he did that is because he had a heart after God. You know, there's going to be times that we fail. We're going to make mistakes. But what I love about David is that he never wanted to displease the Father. He wanted to just make him proud. He wanted to make him happy. And so when he would make the mistakes and he would fall into sin, he would find himself right back at the feet of Jesus asking him to forgive him. And because of that, God would use him to lead the people of Israel. The key is this. Don't focus on where you are in these seasons, but focus on who you are in Christ. I said, don't focus on where you are. Don't get distracted by where you are, but realize that he has a plan and a destiny he wants to fulfill through you, and you're a son and daughter of the Most High God. Start to speak those promises. Start to declare those promises and say, you know what? I am the head, not the tail. I am more than a conqueror. I am set apart for such a time as this. I am the Lord's anointed. I have been strengthened by his spirit. I am seated in heavenly places. I'm not going to be overcome and overwhelmed by the the enemy and his plan and his tactics. So position your life in the heart of God because he will take that time and he will position you for, for his kingdom and what he wants to do through you. Amen? Number two is in a set apart season God will also work on your perspective. He always wants to work on your perspective and gaining God's perspective in those seasons. Because what we tend to want to do is look at the, 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 the situation that at hand and what's happening in the moment. But God's like, if you will just shift your way of thinking and realize that in eternity, I'm, I'm setting you up for success. I'm setting you up to make a difference in your community. I'm setting you up to make a difference in your family. I'm setting you up. If you will just take the time to listen and find the beauty in the valley, find the beauty in the lilies. God, gaining God's perspective in a set-apart season can sometimes be extremely difficult. How many can say this morning that it's very hard to be able to see the way God sees some things, Right? I just don't see it the way he sees it. You're going to have to help me, God, because I'm not seeing it this way. I'm not able to, to, to comprehend how you're doing this or doing that. And it can be very difficult. It can be extremely hard. But if we will allow God to start to shape our viewpoint and to start to see things the way he sees it, he's going to take us into a new place. Many times in our life. Lives, God uses these seasons to get us back to seeing things the way God sees them and seeing that he is in control of our life and that we should be trusting into him. Amen? This is what happens when we start to lose perspective, though. When we start to lose our perspective, when we start to see what's at hand and try to fix that problem, we start to act in disobedience rather than in obedience. It's almost like how Saul did it. You see, Saul was was trying his best to just go ahead and take matters into his own hands. How many of you tried to do that before and find yourself in a, in a worse place than you were at the beginning? Trying to take matters in your own hands because obviously, God, you don't see it, right? You're not seeing it. 
I mean, it's pretty obvious that I can fix the problem right here if you just let me do it. And we start to just go ahead and in disobedience. God's saying, hey, if you just be still and know that I am God. If you would just be still and realize that I've got this under control. But we want to try to take matters in our own hands and try to fix the problems. And what we find ourselves doing is getting ourselves in worse conditions than we were before we ever got in the season that we were in. Because if we will just allow the Lord to teach us and to grow us up, we'll see that he's going to take us to a new place. During these set-apart seasons, your perspective has to stay in alignment with the word of God. Because your perspective affects your perception. And how you perceive things will determine how you believe things. How you perceive it will determine how you believe it. And if you want to believe God's word, you're going to have to start seeing things through the lens of Holy Spirit and through the lens of God. You've got to start looking at things through God's word because he's going to take you to a place that you would never have imagined. Amen? Third thing is in a set-apart season, God will work not only on your position and your perspective, but he's going to work on your patience. Now, how many just love that? I don't know about you, but I just love waiting. Not. I mean, none of us really want to wait. I mean, I can't wait. I can't even wait in the McDonald's drive-thru. And why is it, church, that when we get in like, I don't know, Chick-fil-A, I mean, I could eat there seven times a day. Anyway. But when, when, when we go to Chick-fil-A, we get in line. Why is it my line always is the slowest line? Am I the only one in the slow line at Chick-fil-A? And by me screaming, saying, hey, it's my turn, it doesn't really help the problem. But we, none of us really want to wait. None of us want to be patient. That's the worst thing in the world. But do you realize patience is a fruit of the Spirit? <laughs> Everybody wants to talk about kindness and goodness and faithfulness. But when it gets to patience, they're like, hmm, I don't want to say that because that's going to require me, me to wait. Because in order for us to have the fruit, you have to wait on the fruit. You see, it's a fruit. Fruit don't just pop up. I'm going to plant a seed and boop, there it is. No, fruit takes time. You have to wait in order to develop the fruit of patience. Patience is required for you. Patience is required in you for God to fulfill his purpose and his plan through you. And I love this scripture. It's my favorite scripture. James chapter 1. Count it all joy. <laughs> Not really. Anyway, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds for Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, perseverance, steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. In your season of waiting, you know, it's funny how the enemy always tries to come in and try to push you along. Say, so you know what, you've waited long enough, it's time to just hurry on up and get on out there. It's time to just make it happen, Captain. Right? Trying to make it happen. You've waited long enough, and now the enemy tries to distract you with something else. He's always wanting to try to distract you and try to get your mind on something else. 
and get your mind thinking that you can make it better than where, where you are. Patience is something the enemy doesn't want you to have because he don't want you to have the fruit of the Spirit. He don't want you to grow in it. How many of you know about the Chinese bamboo tree? Come on, raise your hand if you know about the Chinese bamboo. I love the Chinese bamboo. Chinese bamboo tree is just like any other plant. It requires nurturing, requires watering, and fertile soil and sunshine. But here's the thing about the Chinese bamboo that nobody really realizes, that in the first year of the Chinese bamboo, you see no visible growth, no visible signs of activity of growth. It just lays under the surface. It doesn't do anything. And then the second year comes, and guess what? There's still no growth. It just sits under the surface. It's never growing. It's never expanding. It's never not doing anything. And I don't know about you, by the second or third year in, I'm looking at the ground, and I'm going, okay, what am I waiting on here? Did I plant a dud? Right? I mean, surely there's something going to grow. But see, the third year comes, and still there's nothing, no signs of growth. No signs of growth, but I'm going to still nurture and water the ground. Our patience can be tested in those moments. On the fourth year, guess what? No growth. What are we doing here, God? I, I, I think by this moment, I would be, I'll be like, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to leave it alone. Just, just done with it. I'm just done. But see, in the fifth year, what we see about the Chinese bamboo tree is a miracle. It experiences so much growth that it grows 80 feet in six weeks. 80 feet. Now, here's the real question. Was the bamboo tree really growing or not growing for the first four years? Was it not growing? No, the truth is it was growing underneath the surface. It was actually establishing a root system to prepare itself for this substantial growth in the fifth year. Many times, church, we, we want to see growth on the surface, and God's going, I want to grow you deeper in my word. You've got to have patience in these set-aside seasons because God's doing something at work inside of you that you don't see yet. He's actually building a root system that sustains the growth that will come later on. But what we do is we want to make it happen now. The bamboo farmer is out there. If he had gone out there to dig it up to see if, if the, the seed was still there, if there was any growth under the surface, he would have damaged the bamboo tree from even growing in the fifth year. Let God finish the work that he started inside of you. I, this, I know this, this, this message is like, really? I've got I've to cont continue to wait? Wait on God? Yes. Because I promise you in due season, he will fulfill his promises. He is faithful to his word. He will always complete the work that he started. But you have to be submitted and surrendered and in the hands of God, knowing that he's going to take care of you. Trust in him. Trust in him. If you want to see your conditions change, then let him condition you. Let him condition you. Too many times we want to see life change, but we're not willing to be the ones who change. 
We're wanting to see the, ch- the, the conditions around us change, but God's going, if you just allow me to work on you, then change will come. Let, let him condition you. Patience is required in you for God to fulfill his purpose and his plan through you. Number four, real quick, set apart seasons will take you deeper in prayer. Requires patience, but will take you deeper in prayer. You see, when we're faced with these seasons, it's important that we turn our attention to him and not on our circumstance. I love what Watchman Nee says. He says, our prayers lay the track down where which God's power can come. Like a mighty locomotive, his power is, is irresistible, but it cannot reach us without rails. You see, prayer is the rails that prepare the power of God to reach us. Prayer is what is, has to be laid in order for us to move forward in God's will and his plan. The key that we need to find out in those set-aside seasons, are we going to choose to react or respond in prayer? Because responding in prayer, God wants to take you deeper. Instead of just reacting in moments of pressure, you see, as believers, we need to be responding in prayer and turning our attention to God's wisdom and his divine nature and his strategies. You see, immature people react trusting in their own skills instead of surrendering to God in prayer and trusting in his ability to work through us. Are we bringing our petitions to the Lord with thankful hearts? Are we bringing our petitions to God and asking the right questions and doing it with a thankful heart to say, God, I trust in you and I believe in you. No matter what circumstance I'm dealing with, I'm going to believe that you're going to carry me through. Praying the will of God to take you deeper in understanding his ways. Amen. The fifth thing is this. This is the last one. A set-apart season will not only give you patience, will not only take you deeper in prayer, change your perspective, get you positioned in the right place, but a set-apart season will purify you. It will purify you. It will start to cut away those things that are unnecessary. Kind of like the picture I showed you at the very beginning. You know, those set-aside seasons in order to define what's valuable, sometimes you got to get some of those other things that are on you out. You've got to set aside social media. You've got to set aside some bad relationships. You've got to set aside some, some things in your life so that God can purify you, make you holy as he is holy, and wash you clean. 1 Peter 1, 6 says this, In this you rejoice that now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So that the testing, gen, tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, sometimes fire is what's required to make us beautiful. I'm going to say it again. Sometimes fire is what's required to make us beautiful. I'm going to leave you with a story. A story of a potter. 
this potter was taking a man on a tour of his shop where he was making pottery. And in his studio, he explained that most of the time after the clay has been formed into bottles and in cups and dishes, he sets them aside to dry. After he's done the work, he's molded and pushed this clay into a shape that can be useful. Then he takes the, the, the pottery and then he puts it in the kiln. Puts it in fire. Puts it in a place where the heat and the pressure of the heat actually gets the pottery ready. You know, if he's the potter and I'm the clay and he's molding and making me into who I need to be, you know, there's a phase and God takes us in and puts us in the fire, puts us in a place of a lot of pressure, a lot of heat. Maybe you're tested this morning. Maybe you're in a place of testing. Maybe you feel like you're pressured on every side and you're in this very, very tight place. You don't know what the answer is. You're in the fire. God, I can't do this. I don't know how much more heat I can take. But it's in that place. You turn your attention to him. And the, the potter said this, is that once it's brought out of the fire, it starts to cool down. And the pottery actually starts to sing. You're like, what do you mean it sings? Well, the pottery starts to ping and make some beautiful noises because it's cooling down. And that's when you know it's ready is when the pottery is singing. You see, in your set-apart season, it's important to find your song. It's important to find a place of praise and worship because in those places is when God says, now they're ready. They found their song. You see, David, all the psalms that we read about, he was finding a song in the midst of his testing in the midst of the fire. I'm here to tell you this morning, let praise be what brings you out into a beautiful place with a beautiful Savior. Find your song in the midst of the fire. Let him position you. Let him shape your perspective. And get you into a place of trusting in him. It's gonna take time, patience, but God will fulfill what he started inside of you. Don't lose hope. Don't lose sight. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but guess what? We're not crushed. We're perplexed. I'm really confused, God, but I'm, I'm not going to be in despair. I'm persecuted not abandoned, I'm struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. And then in verse 16, it says, so do not lose heart. Would you bow your heads? Father, I just pray in this place this morning. I don't know who this message was for. I, I, I know that I could not get away from this all week. 
And if it's just for one person, God, I know I've done exactly what you've asked me to do. But let me say this for those who are in this room, you're not here by happenstance. You're not here by accident. God brought you into this place on this Labor Day weekend because he wants you to be encouraged that where you're at doesn't mean that you're in a failure state. But where you're at, I'm working on you and I'm doing something behind the scenes that you don't see. And if you will trust in me, if you will believe in me, if you will lean in to my process and have the patience that I'm going to work out those things in your life, I'm making you holy as I am holy. I'm making you more like me. And so if that's you this morning, you're saying, I, I'm in this set-aside season. I feel like I've been set apart, and I, I, I feel like I'm lonely, and I just need help. And I'm just, I'm thankful, God, that you're there with me, but I just need that assurance. If that's you this morning, would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray. I just want to pray for you. Yes, yes. Anyone else? I, I, I'm just in a set-aside season. I'm a set-apart. I, I, I feel like I'm alone. Yes. Anyone else? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Father, in the name of Jesus, these hands that have gone up this morning, first of all, I just thank you for the love that you have for them, that, the, that your embrace is a beautiful thing, and that you're here, God, to just embrace them and comfort them and encourage them. And God, as they are in this season, walking it out, walking out this process, and this journey with you, I pray, Father, you equip them and empower them by your spirit to hold on to what you're doing and, to, and to, to continue to trust in the Lord with all their heart and lean not to their own understanding, but in all their ways acknowledge you, you're God. You're the Lord of all lords. You're the King of all kings. And I trust in you. I'm not going to be in despair. I'm going to believe that your word is faithful. So I pray your encouragement, your strength, your spirit to, to be there with them and guide them through this journey as they believe that you are able to make all gra grace abound towards them in the name of Jesus.